Another edition of the MCN Sport Podcast, a uh, little bit of a special edition with a special guest as well, joined by Ollie, my usual partner. How's it going? Yeah, not bad. You? Yeah, very good, thanks. Very good. And we're joined by one of the veteran voices of MotoGP, Mr. Julian Reiner. Thank you, except for the word veteran. <laughs> Sorry, Jules. Sorry, Jules. And as you can probably hear in the background, we're sitting in the media centre at Glens here during a Moto3 session with some bikes going past in the background. So. Noise quality might not be our, our usual studio perfect. But, but it's quality noise. Exactly. Well, it's, it's noise anyway. Jules, you announced earlier today that you're, you're leaving MotoGP. Yeah, I've done 18 years. And I've done Superbikes before that and Grand Prix again before that. And I just got fed up with the travel, quite frankly. It's, it's no more or less than that. And the idea's been in my head for quite a while. And I thought, you know, this just feels the right time to uh, kick it into touch and do a few different things next year. The travel's not getting any easier, is it? Uh, no. And it's going to be uh, 20 races before long. That, you are yeah. putting your finger on the thing that made me bail out. Uh, 19 races. It's just a little too much for my, uh, you know, for my system to cope with. It turns it into a full-time job. Yeah. And I have other things I need and want to do. Well, that's actually why we're catching up with you today, because of one of your other things that you do, your uh, fabulous MotoGP official season review book. Yep, which I love doing, which is the 14th year, of, public, 14th wow. year of publication. Uh, so even though it's never earned me much money, I multiply <laughs> a small amount of money by 14 and think, I'll do it again. <laughs> it's a really quick turnaround, isn't it? It goes to print. Like... I'm out quicker than most magazines. <laughs> That's not hard these days. Oh, you're talking to an old magazine man, please. That, that, that hurts me. That hurts me. I think you're going to print as quickly as we do with this week's paper, almost. Uh, you're going to print this week. We're you? going to print basically on Wednesday. Yeah. After well, after Valencia. Yeah. 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 We should say that. We're so I've got this out for a little bit. Got yeah. a couple of long days. But of Coming course, up. people wanting Christmas presents, the MotoGP season review will be ready in time for Christmas. That is the be all and end all of the book trade. Yeah. And also, uh, it's being published by Motocom this year, David Dew's organisation, yeah. uh, and they want it at the bike show, at Motorcycle Live, for the second weekend. Why not? Why not? I mean, it doesn't make your life any easier. No, but... <laughs> quite the reverse. But um, the publisher wants it there, the publisher will get it there. Fair enough. So what's all in it? It's the usual mix. It's a new publisher, but it hasn't changed a formula that I'm happy with. Right, okay. The introductory overview by Matt Oxley. Always yeah. a treat to read anything of Matt's. <laughs> of course it is. Um, my little gimmick, the Riders' Rider of the Year, where all the Moto Grand Prix riders yeah. vote for their best. I ask them for their top six and then... And we're going to pick your brains on that in a bit in a minute yeah. anyway. Uh, Neil Spaulding's technical review and then eight pages per race. The guts of the book, the race reports. Yeah. The last two pages of which is a double page spread. Uh, it's the data spread. It's qualifying practice, championship positions, yes. lap chart, an idea I nicked from Formula One years ago, just literally a sentence of every rider, what happened, which liberates you as a writer yes. to do the thousand-word story about what happened, yes. not having to say, and on lap six. Absolutely. You can talk about the vibe, just the undercurrents, major on one event, it liberates you to do some interesting writing in the report. And still covering off everyone. And then cover off the, yeah. you know, Scott Redding finished eight, rear tyre problem, blah, blah, yeah. blah. That's yeah. the sentence on yes. the data spread. 
Perfect. Perfect. Sounds good. But yeah, like we said, what we want to really pick your brains on is the writers' writers list, which fascinates me. I have to admit. I like. Well, the idea is obviously nicked from the footballers' footballer of the year. Yes. Where you fellow professionals vote for their peers. And so this will be a fun idea. And every year, well, Alex DeAngelis didn't vote last year because he was he was yeah he was hospitalised. Yeah. But just about every year, I've got every Motor Grand Prix rider who's done more than one race. Right, okay. So you've got so, your Sylvain Gantorlis. And, and your Mickey Vandermark yes. for voting this year. I get them to name their top six. They can name three. They can name two. They can do what they want. Yeah. But I ask for six. And then I tally them up, you know, one point for a sixth, two yeah. for a fifth, with a bit more margin a for, for the top three, a bit weighted towards yeah. podium positions. Yes. Yeah. And tally them up. I'm sure that's been for a few days of chasing press officers and writers. Don't and... start me. Um, <laughs> and of course, the story in this is always how it differs from the real world yes. championship table. Yes. I mean, historically, John Hopkins always scored way higher with his fellow riders than he did. Because you talked to a lot of people, and John is one of the most naturally talented. Yeah. yeah. And it's in, it also, it's also which is how Rossi could. Walking for three, four, five years, and then as soon as a weakness appears, you can't find him on the ballots papers <laughs> of the young. You know, yeah, it's yeah. a secret ballot, so yes. only I know. But you look for the youngsters, especially. Nope, can't see his name anywhere. And of course, of course, it's almost you know we always talk about mind games and things yeah. like that. But it is it's so uh, prevalent within the writers that you yeah. know if they can almost. Annoy Rossi. I'm not maybe not getting his head, but yeah. annoy him by not putting him yeah. on this well, list. Any Italian who came from the Rome area who's ever voted. <laughs> um, again, the name Rossi was true. really <laughs> quite stunning by its absence. <laughs> on uh, you know, and you get this. You get quite a, quite a bit of teammate solidarity. You right. don't get much national solidarity. Okay, because that's one thing I've always noticed yeah. here. The Brits in MotoGP, there's no real divide in them for whatever reason. No. There's no North-South divide. There's no. no English versus Scottish, any of that. But you go to Italy, yeah. and there's a proper North-South. Well, Italy is a, it's not a country. It's a bunch of regions. Yes. You're, if you're Italian, your first loyalty is normally to your region. Yes. Because they use this shape of pasta. <laughs> and those heathens up the road use one this shape. <laughs> you know, And that is completely beyond the pale. It's, it's a very young country, recently yeah. federalised, and the loyalties are. You know, they're to they're to Rome, they're to Naples, yes. they're to Emilia Romana, and it's obviously even more of a head of the minute in Spain because it's Catalan, it's Basque, it's the it's, it's yeah, yeah something we're not even going to start to yeah, yeah. To here because yeah. no, it feels a bit dangerous getting into that uh, territory. Yeah. Emotions are quite high the past few weeks. Uh, yeah, so the the writer's writer of the year is not. Man, well, we can actually say the man that's won the World Championship. I will. Because I, I, we're recording prior to Sunday's we're race. Recording prior, but I can tell you that the Riders' Rider of the Year will be Andrea Dovizioso. I've got a couple more votes to get in. Right. But basically, he can't be beat. Okay. Not unless something weird. A bit like Sunday, really. <laughs> like Not Sunday. unless something really <laughs> weird happens. Yeah. As, as an outsider to MotoGP, you know, you guys are here at every single race. <laughs> I come and help you at a couple of races a year, Simon, races but kind year. of, you know, chip in here and there. But as an outsider, I would say that's a fair vote, you know. Andrea yeah. has yeah. had an incredible year and 
you know, to say that if you'd have started the season and said Andrea De Vizioso is going to take Mark Marquez to the last round of the yeah. year to fight for the MotoGP World Championship, you'd have laughed the person out of the room. Exactly. Yeah. And this is only the, if, if this is what happens. There is an yes. if. We must there is emphasize an if. We have to, that. Yeah. If this is what happens, it's only the second time that the world champion has not won Rider's Rider. Wow. The other time was Nicky Hayden's year. Right. And Loris Capi Rossi won it. Wow. Which again, given, Which, you know, yeah. you can see that. Everybody loves an underdog. Yeah. Even MotoGP riders. Even, even when it's one of them. And it, I think they're fairly honest. Most There is some, you look at some and go, oh, well, you're entitled to be an idiot if you want to. You know, <laughs> it's a free democratic vote. But um, by and large, they do seem to take it quite seriously. And the interesting thing is, as we said, how it deviates from yes. the real world world championship. And I think, again, I can tell you without fear of the last couple of ballot papers, <laughs> that Johan Zarco will be a very, very clear third place. Well clear of Petrucci, Vinales, Valentino. Not just a couple of Not votes. I mean, on his own in a solitary really? third place. Wow. I remember being here last year and an established MotoGP journalist, I won't mention any names, said, oh, it would be interesting next year to see Zarco and Folger at the back. Did not expect that they would do anything this year. And I think it wasn't me. It wasn't Simon. Um, and very established. Yeah, that's true. You're, that too, is very you're true. too young. That is very um, true. You're too thought, young. I thought that's a very bold statement, but I didn't 100% disagree with it. Well, no. I mean, you'd have said, if a rookie puts a dent in the top 10 in the first half of the season, yeah. good work, sir. Yeah. If you said a rookie's going to lead the first 10 laps of the season. For six. For six. Just to be, I've, I've been writing a book that can tell, can't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've forgotten long about that word. Yeah, we? yeah, you're very wise. Yeah, and set the fastest lap while doing yeah. it. And then in round three, hoof Valentino out the way yeah. at turn two. Yeah. And carry on to rattle every cage there is to be rattled, while still giving the demeanour of a warrior monk yeah. compared to the rest of them. I almost think that a young rider that rattles the cages of all the established top riders is doing their job properly. Yeah, yeah. Jerry Burgess always said, as soon as I hear somebody referred to, a young rider referred to as dangerous, my ears prick up. Because <laughs> <laughs> it normally means worryingly fast. Yeah. Well, the, the last one, arguably, was Marcus Imajai. Yes. And yes. Marco was on the peak of, you know, if yeah. Marco was here now, he'd be yeah. in that top six every Absolutely. week. Absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt that the Johan's racecraft probably does need to be a little bit refined for the MotoGP class. I mean, every, every move we made in Phillip Island, I thought he was going to have someone up. But <laughs> <laughs> most of the guys around him. Yes. When Mark Marcus said, I was told it was going to be a nice clean race, then Zarko hit me. But all of a sudden, you know, we kind of, we always... There was always said about the problem that Yamaha would have when, when Valentino Rossi went. And, you know, they've kind of got Vinales, who we, we know is a, a very good talent and probably oh. would have done a lot better this year had the bike not gone the way it's gone. But at least now they've got Zarco in there and they think, oh, the future is safe. We have, we have a talent pool again. Yeah, No question Yamaha have, have employed cleverly or Hervé Poncheral. Maybe the one yeah, who has pulled Yamaha's absolutely. bacon out of, the, uh, out, of the, out of the fire. Because the other thing you have to say... While there was an expectation of Zarco, double world champion, coming in being fast, there was very little expectation that Folger would be impressive. Except from Hervé Poncheral. Except from Hervé Poncheral. Who's been after him for his team yes, for a good while. And, and he's had an up and down season, he's had injuries, he's mm. had this illness that we've now discovered is a genetic disorder and whatever. But there's not many people this year have pounded Mark Marquez for a win. Yeah. And he, you know, and he really, 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 really did. Yeah. yeah. It was only. 
because he cooked his tyres yeah. after those couple of mistakes at yes. turn one and had to catch back up. To, yeah. That meant he couldn't stick it for the mm -hmm. last three laps. Yeah. It was as it was, you know, Mark Marquez harried round the Saxon <laughs> ring. Yeah. That's like saying somebody's gonna beat him at Aragon. <laughs> or Texas. Yeah. Or Texas, yeah. yeah, it is. It's it's impressive. And it's, yeah, definitely Hervey has Herbie's been responsible for a lot of the young talent in the paddock. Yeah. He's been the guy willing to take a risk and a few Well, people. this is what satellite teams are for. Yeah. Whenever anybody says to me, why don't you know get rid of Pedroza, give a young cut? No, it's a factory team. Yeah. Satellite teams are for doing that. Yes. And also it does show that when you've got a rookie, you put him on a well-developed motorcycle, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, exactly. It again backs up the folly yeah. of putting a rookie on a motorcycle which is the start of its development cycle. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, you know the, the other manufacturer, the manufacturer that took the biggest risk with a rookie, arguably in the last few years, was Honda throwing Jack straight from Moto Three to Moto GP onto a bike that wasn't well developed. And just now, just as he's about to switch to Ducati, Jack's starting to get there. He's starting to be. He's looking fast. really fast, but the fact he's not being retained by Honda, effectively in the harsh light of day, tells us the experiment failed. Well, that's true. Yeah, because he was he was Pipta's producer's replacement. Wasn't exactly. So yeah, what what what, what was the this experiment doing? Trying to take somebody direct from out of three to a factory team after three years. Yes, and it has not worked. It hasn't. No, that's and, and interestingly, no one has now followed that, have they? So no. it may have been a ill-conceived experiment. And Jack is only twenty-two, and he's done over a hundred Grand Prix. Yes. So you've got to believe Pramac have got a bargain. Yeah, absolutely. Honda have invested. Pramac will get the dividend. Of course. And yeah, like you say, no one else has taken the risk. These guys that probably could have made the jump straight this year, Mir, for example, is big enough possibly. Uh, I think Banyaya was. Banyaya last year was very quick here on the Tuesday. And, and I'm a the yeah, yeah, and I'm a Banyaya fan. I yeah. uh, always have been. <clears throat> so, let's touch on Yamaha quickly. Not a great season, great start to the season because I mean that's the thing about this year's MotoGP season, isn't it? It's been there have been so many stories developing, and in the middle of the year it looked like we might have a five-way championship battle. Yes, but Yamaha have just kind of fallen off a cliff towards the end of the year. Finales is crash at Aston on the new chassis. For me, was an absolutely was he in the lead of the championship then? Yes, he, he was. He was, wasn't he? Because he'd taken the lead in Le Mans. In Le Mans, yeah. And, he um, for the... and this new chassis didn't change direction quickly like his old one. <clears throat> Then the new front tyre at Mugello, and all of a sudden, Maverick having steamrolled of them in yes. pre-season of the first two races. Yes. All of a sudden, he's lost. Not a rookie, but a rookie on the Yamaha. And it's all gone pear-shaped. Yeah, because arguably Valentino's season wasn't, it wasn't much better or worse than the last few. Correct. Apart from obviously losing a couple of rounds because of the leg and coming back. But again, at Assen, the masterful win, yes. the wonderful of win course. at Assen, um, which you, you know is, but it's, you know, but it's turned into a once a season job. Yeah, it has, hasn't it? And it has to be at one of his grand old tracks. Yes, that yes he's, he's not winning in Texas. No, he's not winning in no, yeah. it, it, it'll be, it'll be Assen, it'll be Catalonia if they resurface it. <laughs> um, it'll be Magellan. Yeah, and, and you yeah. feel that's that's. Where all that experience, all those wins, he can bring those guns to bear. Absolutely. Do you think he's going to carry on? Obviously, his contract ends at the end of next year. He said, "Oh, I'll leave it a few races next year." 
What's your gut feeling? You know what Valentino's like. He'll wake up one morning and decide, I'm going to a beat of him. And I'm going to, you know, racing, that's it. The press conference was interesting, wasn't it? Because he was asked that very question. Was, was it yeah. you asked him? It wasn't me that asked him. I asked him the same thing a few weeks ago. Right. And he gave me um, the same answer. Yeah. That, and it was a bit non-committal. It was a bit edging towards there is the idea of retirement yes. was allowed to be in the conversation. Yes. yes. Yeah, the end, it, wasn't a straight, it wasn't a straight. Yeah. While I could, the usual line would have been, oh, while I can compete, while I can win, yeah. I will race. Yeah. And if you, you know, you're not going to get Ago's record no. if you're winning one a year. No, Assuming that that is a number yeah. that he is, yeah. that that's the goal. That that's that that is a target. I always thought Valentino would retire almost in the middle of a contract, just kind of get to a point where yep. just think, do you know what? Sod this. Exactly. Do it at Kevin Schwartz. Yeah. yeah. Kevin just Schwartz. wake up one morning and go. No, Ibiza. <laughs> yeah, there will be a Ibiza. We don't really likes. But. One thing, I, I've, I've been in the same impression for a while as well, I have to say, but one thing that's changed my mind a little bit recently is how quickly and how competitively he came back from the leg break. Yes. That showed a bit of passion, that a bit showed, of fire again, yes. didn't that? Look at Jack Miller as well. Like, he's, yeah. yeah, but Jack's 20 years younger. That's very, very true. And, and uh, well, we all know, younger. take it from me, you know, the, 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 a 40-year-old does not bounce like a 20-year-old. No, no. And what we, well, we were saying the other day, just how small Valentino looked in the press conference he, the other day. He looked... Yeah. When he came back, the first day back at Aragon, he looked positively drawn. Yes, he did. He did not look healthy no. at all. No. But I've also heard as well that, sort of on the grapevine, that he's training harder than ever, he's eating better than ever. He's, he has to be, to be in that he shape. He has to be, yeah. And he's got a bunch of... of 18-year-olds around him and yep. the academy kids that drive him and motivate him and get him to the gym. And yeah, and a, an Italian journalist friend was telling me that the kids are in awe of the way he hammers himself in the gym. Right. Valentino, no, no, don't do that. Yeah, he will never tell you he does. No, of course the people does. around him will tell you just yeah. how hard he works. Yeah, and it's starting to... Valentino's legacy is starting to pay off as well now, isn't it? We've just seen Franco Morbidelli crown Moto 2 world champion. Yeah. Well, here is the other side of the question. There's plenty for him to do, even if he's not on top of a motorbike. Yes. Uh, the VR46 organisation is massive anyway. Mm -hmm. That's just the merchandise. Yeah, of course it is. Never mind the rider management. Yeah. And as you say, we have a VR46 world champion who will now go to be the first VR46 rider in Motor Grand Prix. First VR46 rider to race him. And he will race the boss. Yeah. Indeed. There's could, the end up, could end up being the only VR46 rider to race the boss. <laughs> well, exactly. I would imagine whenever the VR46 Academy was set up, he wasn't intending on racing any of them. Yeah. yeah. He was intending on being gone at this stage. I don't think but, even but, he thought... He has a team in Motor 2. He has a team in Motor 3. We've kind of had this discussion now, haven't we? Because we've kind of noticed a lot of a lot of hype around Morbidelli's championship. I don't know whether it's just because it's recent or whether it's kind of because of that Valentino Rossi effect. No, I think it's normal. I don't see... Uh, I mean, Morbidelli is an exciting prospect. Let's, yes. not, let's not get it wrong. That is a seriously yeah. interesting rider uh, and, and a proper Motor Grand Prix prospect. But the, th the, the question for me is he's got a Motor 2 team, he's got a Motor 3 team. What's missing? Oh, I know. And when he says to Yamaha, I want a MotoGP team, he's going to get it. Of course, isn't yes. it? And, and, and of course, said to, you know, we have this strict 
24 bikes in the grid room. Yeah. But every time Carmelo Espelet has asked about it, he has said, yeah. it could be 26 if it was for one person. Yeah. But I would bet, you know, if I was Herve Poncheral, I would certainly be talking to KTM and others yeah, very, would, very, 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 very quickly <laughs> yeah. because of the thought that Valentino will have me, uh, have me Yamaha's off yeah. me in the very near future. And of course, not, not only would, you know, Yamaha be the saying yes if Rossi came knocking on the door, but the people down the corridor at Dorna would most certainly be dragging him in that direction. Please stay, Valentino. No, yeah. you, can, you don't need to go to Ibiza yet. <laughs> Absolutely no question. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I completely forgot my chain of thought now. Oh, yes. Um, I, I spoke to him. I did a one-on-one -on -one interview with him a few months ago, and we spoke about what he wanted to do afterwards. And this was still, you know, this was still before, like you said, there was any talk of retirement. Yeah, yeah. And all he'd be drawn on was he wouldn't. He'd rather have one of his riders win a MotoGP World Championship with a factory team than win one with his own bike. The implication to it was very much that there's still going to need to be a step between Moto2 and a factory bike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the. Yes. And you think look, Morbidelli's going to going to be looking to be in a factory bike in nineteen? I. Yes. He's on a one-year contract, all yes. the factory teams end there. Yeah. He's going to look at him in a factory bike, and I think that's where Rossi wants to go, but yeah. I think he'd rather he hadn't went to Mark Vinyas as well. That there was a VR step. Interesting, but yeah, we're into the subtleties well, of yeah, it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's the problem. That's, uh, it's an interesting thought, but I can't see a, a Valentino Rossi Motor Grand Prix team on anything other than Yamaha. No, Can you get anybody? It's, uh, Changing the subject quite a bit. Where did Andrea Iannone rank on the riders' riders' list? <laughs> I'm just consulting a sheet of paper. Hang on, I'm looking down the list. I might be a while. Oh. I don't think I can say any more. <laughs> That's surprising, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure I should have divulged that, but hey. <laughs> It's kind of hard to argue that Andrea's season's been a disappointment for everyone, hasn't it? Yet With the exception of a few good results. I'm conscious. In I'm conscious that we're sitting here after he was fast until this morning's session. Yes, no, I know, but I think <laughs> I think one win at this point isn't going to turn around no. a disastrous season. Is but it? Suzuki are the most conservative with a small C yeah. of the Japanese companies. Yeah. They will never break a contract. No, absolutely. they will grit their teeth. And whatever grief they have, they will see it through. Yeah. It does seem like there has been some sort of progress, even in the relationship between Suzuki and Andrea. Yeah. You, know, you see him tweeting more about Suzuki rather than weird things he's doing at home in Italy. Especially the weird screen out of his car. His people tweeting. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah I mean, it, J Japan was a brilliant race. Yeah. And that was a man at the end. We saw a shot in the pits. And Neil Hodgson said, that is a man who has done what you do as a sportsman. He has done everything he could. There is nothing yes. left. Yes. And you thought, that's it all you can ask. That's what you have to do. It. Yeah, you, you are given as a rider, you're given a certain amount of ammunition, yeah. and your job is to fire every bullet. Yes, absolutely. If that's what you do, yeah. no arguments. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. And, and interesting what you're saying there about him tweeting, because um, I've spoken quite a bit to Kevin Schwantz about it, and Schwantz maintains oh. that a lot of the issues is in the pit box, not with the bike. That it's the relationship and the atmosphere. And if that's improving, 
then everything else is going to follow the, the biggest thing with MotoGP riders at the minute is all these Instagram stories. Uh, Ian O'Neill does a lot of very Oh, it's the children. I'm back with the children. And he's been doing a lot now in the box, in hospitality, with Suzuki people. So it kind of... And well, that, that was never there at the start. Of the that year. was interesting. The the retro Suzuki logo crash helmet you wore in Japan, yeah, in Japan. was uh, oh yeah, you know that was uh, yeah. Somebody's so been, a... somebody has been building some bridges yes. in a in an intelligent way that yes. will be appreciated Absolutely. by Japanese managers. Absolutely. I thought, oh, yeah, interesting, Very thoughtful. Simple. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Just not worried that. It's too often thrown around in these sense and yeah. this is a great Yeah, idea, so someone right? somewhere is giving him good or rather he's listening at yes. last Maybe to somebody it. who's giving him good advice. I hope Maybe that's it. So while we've got you here, Jules, I thought it'd be nice to pick your brains about, you know, your years in the Grand Prix paddock. You've you've just said how long you've been here. What's the most what's been the most dramatic season for you? Two thousand and six, Nicky Haydens, I think that's right. that's uh, uh, I, I think that's you know, that, that's a given. I think there's uh, 2015 had drama, but for unpleasant reasons. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll stick with those six as the um, as uh, uh, Nicky Hayden, who everybody, everybody loved, got his just desserts. Yeah, that nice, smiley, young American kid that elbowed Valentino out the way, down to turn one, nearly put him in the wall. Yeah. You know, Valentino fell off. Nicky's world champion. Uh, a fantastic emotional day. And the round of applause that Nicky got in the room down the corridor. Yes. No cheering or hollering. Just a sustained... <laughs> wonderful. Perfect. Never forget it. Is that the highlight? Is there anything that... Uh, is there any moments? Oh, there's plenty. I mean... Valentino's race in 03 in Australia. Yeah. Uh, 10 second penalty wins by yeah. 15 seconds. Um, OMG. <laughs> you know, that was a social media uh, comment, <laughs> I believe, for the children. Um, that still to me is probably the best sustained exhibition of a top, top rider going as fast as he can for the entire race I've ever seen. Yes. I think. I can't, yeah. you know, it was Duan-esque in the way he yeah. just ripped time out of them and kept ripping time out of them. <laughs> Mick did it for fun. Valentino did it to win a race. Mick did it to humiliate yes. the rest of them. Yeah. But that, I think, that takes some beating. Valentino 04, Valentino again in Velcom, the, the first one on the Yamaha. You know, things that shouldn't have happened and did. <laughs> um, yeah, that, those are right up there. I have to say that as a you know as a British motorcycle fan, to be able to commentate on a British winner in the top class last year, yeah. uh, twice, twice no less, but let's stick with the first one. You know, for, for for which I shall ever be grateful to Cal Crutchlow for being able to actually have done that yes. and seen a British winner, and a brave win it was as it well. Was. Uh, that sort of you know perks a chap up as he carries on. I was I was just my first motorcycle magazine job was 1980, so Barry Sheen did win that last lone race yeah, a couple of years race. after his last yeah. Suzuki win. So technically, I had seen. Were, yeah, yeah. I was in the business, the if not yes. reporting. But I had to wait a long time for the next one. <laughs> Very long. I uh, I, I took the quiz, quiz quite a bit. I don't Matt Burt, my predecessor, because Matt did my job for 19 years. Yes. 
he left. Steve English did my job for one year, and Danny Kent won the world championship. Yeah. I did the job the next year, and Cal won two races. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's quite bad. Yeah. Matt so, so poor but, Matt. You know, exactly. it was, uh, it's nineteen years of desolation. Yeah. <laughs> the last two years of MotoGP. Bit like being a Leicester City fan, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he knows the thing. <laughs> last two years of MotoGP have been great. Last year it was ten winners, wasn't it? Nine, nine winners. This year, um, one of the the best championship fights we've seen in a, in a long while with a lot of riders involved across the season. I don't equate quantity with quality. The best world championship ever, and I'm quoting Mike Trimby, I won't try the accent, <laughs> was Spencer versus Roberts. 74? Well, anyway, they won six races each. Yeah. Who came third? <laughs> Who gives up? <laughs> That's very, you know, very fair point. You know, what, you know, it, it, we get very excited about everything. What we remember is the great, great confrontations. You remember Hailwood versus Ago, Schwantz versus Ray, Rossi versus quite a few different people. <laughs> yes. You know, that is what we remember yeah. when we're, we're boring the grandchildren in future years. Yeah. Not, hey, that, that year 2000, you know, yeah. oh, eight winners. <laughs> Who gives yeah. it? And the, uh, this year will go down to, to Rossi, uh, Marcus versus Dovic. Yeah. Course it will. It yeah. is. Yeah. The second half of this year, only those two before yeah. the last yeah, round, yeah. Yeah. only those two have won races. Yeah. And perfect. Some of, some of those races we've, as well. We've had three races decided on the last corner between uh, the championship contenders. So yeah. What's not to love? What, and that's what you want. That's why uh, Rossi Lorenzo in 09. Yes. It was the two best in the world. 